Welcome back to another episode of The Rest, a podcast where you get to hear the rest of the story and where we continue the conversation that Sunday started. I'm your host, Jared Jacobus, and I'm here with Joel. What's up? Hi, Joel. Hey, hey, hey. We had a lot of baptisms this we Sunday. Did. We That's did. amazing. Baptism Sundays are my favorite Sundays. Mm-hmm. I always get a little emotional. I know, they're great. Yeah, and I'm not usually emotional, but... I do like one tear per baptism. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One little one comes out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I get all giddy, excited. It's just like a rush of uh, just happy feelings. It's, it's, it's great. Uh, you have a radio show coming up. A radio show. You want to tell us a little bit about yeah, it? Yeah, so uh, on December 15th, we are doing the show, It's a Wonderful Life, mm-hmm. uh, and it's the radio play version. So basically, a um, little bit of background, if you haven't seen the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. It was a movie that uh, did not really do well in the box offices. Oh, uh, really? Oh, excuse me. Oh, my gosh. What a yawn. They did it in, um, you know, the movie came out in the summer and people were like, didn't see it. And then other- That's a weird time for it to yeah, come Other out. people, other, it actually wasn't even, I think the story is something to the fact that the author wasn't even trying to make it a Christmas movie. Oh, really? Like it wasn't at first a Christmas movie. It was a movie about, you know- frankly, about a man that is might take his own life type of deal. And and so all the all the Christmas stuff, what happened is that someone saw it as a Christmas movie and there was a dispute in the production companies that made the movie. And so something happened where it, I'm not going to say accidentally, but it ended up in public domain. Oh, the movie. Wow. So one of the, uh, someone from a, a one of the major networks saw it, liked it. And because it was public domain, started putting it on TV. Wow, during that's Christmas interesting. Time. So a lot of people liked the movie. Yeah. And then other companies, or maybe even the same company, realized it was public domain. And so they adapted it to a radio version so people could turn on the radio and listen to the movie. That's and so really cool. uh, a radio play is, you know, it's uh, actors, you know, reading scripts and there's sound effects and there's, uh, you know, full, full, you know, acting and using your voice, but no, no costumes. Yeah. Oh, excuse me, man, that's twice. <laughs> and no, um, you know, you don't really move around, no props. You know, all of it's with sound effects. Because Do it's you just, commit it to memory or do you No, you have read? the script. Yeah. So, you know, um, I think Hal, uh, the director, and he's also in the show, will welcome everybody and explain yeah. a little bit of that. Because I think people look at it and go, oh, it's a wonderful life, the play, the radio play. What does that mean? Uh, but nonetheless, um, 
I think people should come. It's going to be really cool. Yeah. It's going to be, it's not too long either. Like we, we read through it yesterday and reading, reading through it and even backing up sometimes and kind of stumbling and having little conversations. It was like an hour and 22 minutes. So I really think that people will enjoy it. And, um, also it, 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 you know, it's like, it's a good, I think it'll be heartwarming for people and, uh, you know, go to dinner and and have a drink and then come over and watch this show for an hour and a half and yeah. go with some friends and I think people will really enjoy it and there's a there's a part of Hal has always wanted me to do a show. He runs the New Albany Community Playhouse and I used to do theater and so I've always wanted to do a show and so he knows me real well. I've talked about it's a wonderful life. He knows him and I have this Christmas movie thing. He's a good friend of mine, the director and he, him and I watched like the same four Christmas movies yeah. every year. And we text each other when we're watching them and we That's talk awesome. about why we like them so much. And, and so he knows me and it's a wonderful life. And so he just, he, he has his masters in, um, I think script composition. He's a very gifted writer and, you know, he was actually lived in Hollywood. He was on the production. Oh, wow. He, he, he was on production crew for, uh, sister act two, and if you remember the old movie, uh, Chucky, like he was yeah, like a part oh of gosh. all those. And like, he, he was like, he, I think he like, like got Lauren Hill's coffee a bunch of times and stuff like that. And she was in the sister act. But, um, so he, he's very like, you know, very, very well read and knows every musical show goes to New York three or four times a year, watches all the newest stuff is very in tune with just, just that world and, 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 and plays. And so he wanted, he wanted me to do a show and he just, he knew about this radio play and he thought for, for the church, for Joel to be able to be involved in it, uh, to do something that he likes to, you know, to do something that he knows, like, it's kind of, it's a lob for me. I'm not saying like that I'm, you know, uh, you know, the perfect person to play that part, but it's not, it's not incredibly cumbersome, right? Yeah. I know the show. Like I know the lines, like some of the lines I like can finish, you know, without reading it. I've watched the movie so much. And you really enjoy them. And I really enjoy the movie. So it's like, I feel it. And then you get to read it. So, you know, you don't have to like, you don't have to memorize it all. And we don't have to do more than one show. Just do it once. Yeah. So it, you should come because all the proceeds go towards our toy drive. The, the, the tickets are, um, 10 bucks and those go towards the toy toy drive and you can also bring a toy and get in the show um so uh it's uh december 15th at 7 30 here at 514 church and you can buy tickets um uh on new albany community playhouse.org yep uh and you can just grab you find the link on our link tree you can find the link on our church link tree yep we do know that we've already sold like 167 tickets and that's that's good for uh, advanced because yeah. I think a lot of people are just going to walk in and yeah and do it. So it'll I haven't be a, got my ticket yet. It'll be a so. good crowd. You won't. You, you can just come. <laughs> are you going to come? I get a little. I want to try to come. You yeah. should come. I think it'll be fun. Yeah, I I like that. Um, I'll get to experience like another adaptation of that. Yeah. Um, story. Yeah. It, it honestly. So I read through it by myself, and then we read through it half of the cast, and uh, man. It still it still gets there. If you know the show, 
and love the show, like it's still, it still really gets there. Yeah. Emotionally and, and everything. So I think people will be pleasantly surprised. Good. Yeah, it should be fun. All right. Well, we're uh, we're to the sponsor of today's episode. You ready? I'm ready, man. Santa Claus. He's he's a sponsor. He's a sponsor. Man, what a good guy. This he's time a of nice year too. Jolly. I know he has so a lot busy. going on. Mm. Uh, he wants to thank everyone for all the years of support. Um, but he said this year is going to be his last year delivering presents. This is the last year. This is the last year. He attributes his decision to Amazon taking over too much of the toy industry. So, you know, <laughs> it's sad, but that's the way the well, world works how can sometimes. How blame him, to be honest? Yeah. I mean, he he's the inventor of overnight shipping. Dude. You get a request in on the 24th. You, just, can... you just blew my mind. <laughs> it's like everyone's trying to steal... Jeff Bezos's ideas, but, but he, he stole, stole his ideas from Chris yeah, Kringle, the big guy. Man, dude, wow! I know you just blew my mind. Well, in part two of Happy Holidays, uh, we did a we could update. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had a goal of four million in uh, annual giving, and mm-hmm. um, the the current numbers. And commitments is right around 3.2 million, yeah. which is super exciting. Yeah. And even more exciting is that we're still waiting on a lot of families to That's right. um, put in their, their commitment That's cards. Right. So it's uh it's an amazing thing, man, what what has happened. And uh um you know, we just want everyone who's a part of it to to go and, you know, if you're part of this church, make a commitment even if you already give. Yeah. Um, that number is, is, uh, it's a combination of the assumed giving that we anticipate coming in, which is the 2.3. And then there's an additional amount of new committed gifts or increased from um, prior givers that equals almost a million dollars. So our anticipated annual revenue in giving is 3.3 already. And, uh, but that's only with. 250 commitments yeah. out of uh, arguably four to 500 that we will get. Yeah. And so it's... The thing I'm really excited about it is um, uh, six months or a year from now, hearing the stories of mm-hmm. everyone that made that decision. Right. It, that's going to be the awesome part. It is. It is. Uh, Joel great. talked about um, an atheist astronaut that when he went up into the firmament mm-hmm. space, he concluded God isn't real because he didn't see him. And Joel touched on um, that you can't just go up another level of the building and expect to see the person that built the building. That in order for the creator to reveal himself in his creation, he has to write himself into it. God wants us, uh, God wants more than us to just know he exists. He wants us to have a real and tangible relationship with him. Uh, Joel clarified that our relationship with God isn't what we want to think about him. We put that into a box, but that God reveals himself through the life of Jesus and the life of other prophet-like figures so that we see exactly who God is in the way that he wants um, himself to be known. Mm Mm-hmm. 
We touched on the concept that even if we had empirical evidence that God exists, we still wouldn't believe it because believing in God isn't just about um, understanding the facts. And God knows the entire plot of humanity. He sees us shackled by our sin, and He writes Himself into the story of our lives to rewrite that story into something way more beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, All right, so first and most important question. Yeah. Do you think the director of It's a Wonderful Life intended to have some parable-like references to God? Of course. I mean, I think that he, uh, you know, I mean, he, he, uh, I don't, I don't know anything about, I believe the author's Frank Capra. I don't, I don't know much about him. You know, how would be better to ask about yeah. him, but you know, the, the show and the movie, it starts out with, you know, Joseph and an angel and yeah. calling upon, you know, Clarence, this other angel, and they're going to step into this, this realm to help yeah. us out. And, uh, and so there's a lot of, you know, it's a different time. A lot of assumptions in the culture, you know, was all very on board with this idea of there being heavenly beings and, and, uh, the Christmas story, you know, has, has that in it. Right. So it, it's almost like a little additional angelic Christmas encounter, you know, and there's so many stories of, of, uh, divine beings in the Christmas story. So now we have them again in 1942 or whatever, seven, whatever it is. And I think that that's one of the reasons why the movie is so profound and many, many people, I mean, people today, critics still say it's, it's the best movie that's ever been made. You know, it, and so when you start thinking about um, parallels, right, to, to the person of God and his existence and the way he interacts with us on earth, um, it's, it's appropriate that that would be considered one of the most well-written movies because the movie deals with the, uh, the peaks and valleys of the entire human experience, Yeah, you know. The, the great successes. The, yeah, that's very true. You know, the, the strenuous way that life can be, romance, family, work, friendship, failure, darkness, uh, defeat, and, and uh, existential questions like, why am I here? And Maybe I maybe I'm gonna take my own life, and I mean, that's pretty rich stuff, you know. And so yeah. I, I think that 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 uh, is appropriate for it in terms of it tapping into the emotional, spiritual side of of what it means to be a human and and who God is. And so I think the author was in touch with those things. I find it. Uh, difficult to uh, think that he didn't have that in mind. Yeah, I was listening the other day to Tolkien, okay, talking about the point of the Lord of the Rings. Oh yeah, and uh, you know it was interesting. He said, "No matter what you <clears throat> read or think, or what you uh, 
assume this book and these stories are about, and this is the author. He says, it's about one thing. And you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> he <laughs> says, the and thing? the one thing it's about, and this is all, all of the Lord of the Rings, the Hobbit. He said, it's about death. You're just like, whoa. You know, like, so you start to, you start to look at uh, the impact of that and the impact of, of those stories and, and the, the reason that they resonate, the creative nature of, of, you know, making a different realm and, you know, having symbolic types of creatures that represent all different types of beings in the world and then the quest and, uh, and what is the quest, you know? It's, it's about, it's about death and saving people from death and being willing to die so that others don't die and taking on a burden and, and, uh, you know, the whole thing becomes about, you know, when, when we think about what's most important in life, um, the reason that question and that journey becomes so important is when we have an encounter with death. When death becomes real, when death becomes important. Yeah, when it's on the doorstep. When it's on the doorstep, when it becomes a problem, when it becomes a real fear, we all move into a different space and we ask different questions and we hold all that we have uh, in contrast to it. Yeah. Or, or, or to against it. it, it becomes the permanent um, uh, background of, of our lives because it's 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 a certainty, right? Death and taxes. Yeah. And so <laughs> you, uh, that's one of the beauties of of the gospel narrative is uh, one of the most certain things, if not the most certain thing in our world, is death. It's the thing that we lean against, or we kind of wedge and leverage against to find meaning in the, in the world. Yeah. And, and then God defeats it. Yeah. And he transcends even death. And that is, that's, that's powerful. Yeah. That's uh, kind of the whole infinite universe type, vast expanse, you know, that, that you just go, I don't know how to quite wrap my mind around, there being that a billion galaxies and then there being a trillion of those. And it just, you know, it, it's hard to wrap your mind around, but um, yeah. So, yeah. And death kind of pushes the veil aside, you know, makes everything really real. Yeah, it does. It pushes it, 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 it kind of wipes the, you know, the sleep from your eyes yep. and you wake up and there you are. There's a concept that uh, non-believers often use to explain why God doesn't exist. And I've heard this several times, and they say that if God really was real, he would just come here and and prove to us all that he's real, and then we would believe in him. Can you explain why that way of thinking is pretty much a fallacy? Uh, That's a good question. Can I explain why that's a fallacy? Well, you know— Part of it is just the orientation of the question and who's asking the question. You know, if uh, if we're asking the question if there's a God, then the word God uh, 
means something. It means it means whatever the person who's asking about the existence of him means. Yeah. And that typically means something like all knowing, all powerful, all never ending type, you know, of a being. And so to, to ask that question is to put yourself underneath the possibility of God existing. And then to assume that if he did exist, that he would do things the way that you, who in the logic of your question are created by, you are not God. Yeah. You, the question implies that you're not God. So for the non-God to say, if you were God, you would do it my way. Yeah. Is, it just doesn't uh, make sense. Is a pretty, uh, um, I would say, false uh, logical progression, you know? Like, I think what you would want to do is go, okay, if there's a God, what the heck is he like? Because he would ultimately be the creator of me, and I would have to assume that he doesn't do this the way that I would. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. You know, because I, I can't even begin to think of how um, a creator would be doing all the things that God, you know, is assumed to be doing, like holding together the universe and creating all of these beings and, you know, the precision of of whatever gravity and the way that human life grows and all the ecosystems and their balance and harmony and and to just be thinking about how the oceans and the world moves is a little bit daunting i would think for someone and then to think that you would question that god and say that he's doing it wrong um is probably kind of the wedge or the beginning of the pride that causes the problem in the first place yeah you know there's an arrogance that comes with well if god was real then he would do it the way i think he should do it it's like no if god was real uh, as real as you are, then nothing about him would do anything the way that you would. Yeah, that's good. You know, so I, I I don't know that that's like necessarily the best way to answer that question, but um, when we come to an all-powerful being who's the maker of everything that is in existence in our world, we should assume that there's a lot more to learn than what we know. Yeah. And so to make that type of a bold claim um, um, it, I think it's very arrogant. Yeah. It sounds smart at first, but it's not. It's arrogant. Because then you move to the next part of it is, okay, well, so let's say there is a God and he's not doing that, but he is God. Do you want to know him? No, he's not doing it your way. Okay, but why not? Right? Eric, yeah. you, know, you just right. kind of move towards these these types of questions. And, um, and uh, you know, I, I really do find, like you talked about in the intro, um, 
reason and, and all these things and all the arguments for the existence of God and apologetics. There are people who are really good at it. And I am, I, I love that stuff. I think it's great. And, and it, it helps me, you know, in my mind in, 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 in making meaning out of this world, like to hear how there's, there's, there's great answers to, to some of these questions. But, um, you know, I mean, there's really a spiritual darkness in the world and people just are blinded and, uh, it takes so much more than just logic yeah, to really reach people. I think some people it unlocks everything for them, but I think to the people that are truly interested in rational thought, it doesn't take a whole lot for them to go, ah, there's a God. Yeah. And a lot of scientists and, and, and art people that argue for the existence of God now that aren't even necessarily Christian, there's a, there's a very rational explanation for the whole, you know, higher created, you know, a creator and ultimate creator. Um, so it, it, it has to be more than that, right? It has to be blindness, darkness, arrogance, bitterness, evil. Yeah. And so, you know, especially nowadays, where information is a commodity, you know, I mean, there, there's, there, there are people who are in the world who argue for the existence of a creator and God. You can send YouTube videos to anybody. They can watch them in an hour and hear all the best arguments for the existence of God and there being God. And then even for Jesus and all these things. So it doesn't seem to be the trick. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I find it's, just conversations with people and the way you live your life and being with and for people in the midst of suffering, you know, being, being for people and, 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 uh, being with people for the long haul, you know, so that they can experience you and, and then, and then they can, they can have some of the faith components become, uh, something that they can, witness and experience in someone else and they can move in that direction because they they have trust in somebody so um yeah god's revelation of himself is so incredibly abundant yeah in like everything that we experience mm -hmm. um so would you say that the people that just can't see it are they are they covering their own eyes or is there something else? I, again, that's what I said. I think it's something else. Yeah. I think I think sometimes it's, it's just arrogance. It's just I want to be right, and there's such a strong voice for God and and all that in the world that it's you know you could just be anti-establishment and go against the the grain. Um, but I think there's evil that just blinds people's eyes. Yeah. And you know when Paul says that um, we we don't fight against flesh and blood, you know, but against principalities and powers and evil forces of darkness and the rulers of the air. There are evil, evil forces of deception um, and destruction in the world that, that people just can look at, uh, look at, uh, you know, a waterfall and they can look at a horse and, and they can just, uh, throw God right out of the window. Yeah. But I think that's the main thing. 
If we were all given the gift that George Bailey was given and seeing the world um, as if we never existed, how do you think that would impact and change us? You know, that's a great question. So for George, um, you know, <clears throat> that's the point, right? It is is Clarence says that, you know, you see, George, you really, you really had a wonderful life. Don't you yeah. think it would be a waste to throw it all away? And so there's a little bit of uh, taking the um, the silver lining approach to people. Yeah, that that the whole movie does. It just stretches out that that sentiment. It's like, yeah, but yeah. I mean, you lost your business and. And all that is really hard, but like mainly everything is fine. Like, you know, the sun will come up tomorrow, buddy. Yeah. You know, and, 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 uh, and, and so I think that, uh, part of it is that George doesn't deal with his problem the right way. You know, he, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe what's going on with George is, he knows he has such a wonderful life, and uh, instead of instead of understanding what that can mean for him, he just tries to. Uh, it overwhelms him that he might lose it. Yeah, but he doesn't understand that. You know, if he just like went home and told his wife what was going on, they could come up with a solution, like yeah. she does. You know, so there's a great commentary on, yeah, George, I mean, you lost $8,000 and like that at the time is like your whole net worth or whatever and everyone else is in the in the building and loan. But you go home, you got a problem, you tell your wife, and then it's like, let's tell everybody. We made it, we, we have a problem here, you know? Now, maybe that wouldn't have been the same because George goes missing and so everyone's panicking. Yeah. And so there's a little bit of panic and and all that. But generally speaking, I mean George was was loved. Oh yeah. And that's what you see. No man is a failure who has friends. It's like all these people come out and they love him. And they they're I mean Sam Wainwright and all these things and there's all these solutions. You know, they 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 send him like $20,000, you know. So I think part of it is 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 that um, a wonderful life is something you have, but it's also something that if you don't wake up, you'll miss. Yeah. Because there's more potential if you can see it, can see it a certain way. Yeah. You know, so he, he finally sees it. He sees the 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 despite the negative my kids my family yeah, i want all so that much stuff. i want all that the silver lining stuff there's still a cloud but the other part of that is there's the cloud is there but the cloud is only there because you don't understand that there's more wonderful here than you realized you can go ask your friends and then they'll all come pouring in and you can you can fix this whole problem in a minute and you didn't see that, but you were willing to lose your life because 
of this problem that could be solved in your real like circumstances the way they are. So I think for people, it's like, okay, count your blessings. And, you know, don't just hear that and be like, yep, yep, yep. I know I have a lot, but like literally thank God for all the beauty and the goodness and the things that God has provided for you. And like, like take it to heart and, 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 and express gratitude to God and to the people and tell them, I mean, you know, tell them, tell them you love them, tell them you're thankful for them, give them presents, you know, swim in the vastness of the good that you do have. And then also, I think the other part of it is, you know, this idea that for some people, they look at George's life and they go, yeah, well, I mean, even him, he has it so good. My life is 10 times worse than George's even on his worst day. Yeah, I'm already in debt. I'm already, I don't have any kids. I don't have any family. I'm sick. I lost my leg, whatever. Like, like my life is horrible. So how's this movie for me? It's like Clarence says, you see, you really had a wonderful life. Don't you think it would be a shame to throw it away? Well, what about me who I don't have a wonderful life? So that's the other side of the equation is that as wonderful of a life as George had, he was missing the potential and the potential was there and he had to, he had to, it had to be unlocked. And that's the same with everybody is your potential to have a wonderful life can still be unlocked. Yeah, for sure. And it, it and, and that's where I think personal responsibility comes in and goals and seeing how, when you as an individual aren't looking upward and, and, and striving towards bringing about the God given um, realities in your life to, to life, to, to, to manifest in the world, to make something beautiful, to live and love other people, to leverage your gifts and talents, to bring about life into the world. Like, look at what George does. Like, he's very talented, obviously. He's like, you know, that's the idea. And then he stays back and he runs the building alone. And, and, uh, uh, I think that's another great thing is, is he's bitter. Yeah. But that's what the story un, un, unpacks for him is that he, he's like, oh, this is good. I'm building people's houses. I'm helping people. You know, he's the one that argues against Potter in the beginning. You know, if anything, he put a, put a, you know, a bed and a, this and give you a roof over your head instead of living in your shack. Well, then he always wants to get out of there instead of seeing that purpose is not, you know, always way out there. Yeah. It's making what you have in front of you beautiful. And that's Bedford Falls. He makes it a wonderful place for others. And so that's the potential that everybody has. It's right in front of you. You can make your family stronger. You can, that's why these guys, these, these gurus, these Lieutenant colonels in the Navy, and uh, these guys that do presentations and uh, you know, some of these YouTube people, these guys that do presentations to students and they talk about making your bed. Why? Why make your bed? Why clean your room? Why? Oh, you just learn, just learn discipline. No, 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 no. It's it's so much more than that. It's you have power. Yeah. You can make a difference. Look what you did. 
you woke up and it was a mess and then you put effort into it and you made it not a mess. You brought order into chaos. Okay. So if you can make your bed and then you can make your closet nice and you can wash your counter and you can fold your clothes and all of that is there, you did that. What else could you do? Yeah. Because all that takes seven minutes. So what what if you what if in the world there's a there's a uh, there's a big bed that needs to be made, you know, and you got to make it, or you, a closet that needs to be cleaned? That's work. That's purpose. That's life. So when you make your bed every day, you are actually teaching yourself that you have the ability to bring goodness into the world. Yeah, and shape and 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 uh, order and and you know ease. And uh, so that's it. Go, you have that. It's in front of you. Take care of what's right in front of you and then take care of the next thing and then the next thing and then the next thing. And uh, and then find something that you love, that you have talent uh, or you just absolutely love and you're willing to put the labor in to, to do something great. This is why a lot of people when they're, you know, they have midlife crisis at 35, 45 years old is because they never learned that work was supposed to be what God designed it in the garden is to take, take what you can and make something beautiful in the world. And, 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 and so you just think, Oh, I got to earn. So then your whole value system is just about earning. Yeah. And all that does is just throw anything about you out. It has nothing to do with you. Yep. So I have to earn. All I am is a, I'm a till. I need to go and, and make money. That's value. Well, that's sad. You have something specific that you can bring into the world. Do that thing. Do it well. Find out what you love. It's going to be making something better. You're yeah. going to make something better, whether it's music or whether it's spreadsheets or graphics or uh, houses or food, agric- grocery store. I don't know. You're going to make something better. You're going to see something. You're going to have talent. And you're gonna you're gonna apply it to something, and it's gonna get better. And you're gonna go, I like it when I make that better. And then when you do that, that's your job. Yeah. And that what happens is people get to the forty, and they go, all I did was earn. I really love children's books. Why didn't I ever just start writing children's books? Why didn't I ever? Why didn't I do that? Because you learn. I just worked for twenty years, and I hate it but I make money, but I could go, there's tons of companies that do stuff that I love. I could have done that. Yeah, you could have done that. So I have a midlife crisis. I quit my job. I go do something else. And then a midlife crisis is, is a challenge because if you start off something new, you're not going to make that much money. So everyone yeah. panics. But if you would have started, you know, 18, you start making children's books. Maybe you get involved with a publisher. Maybe you work for some company and you you play a role in making children's books and you have a salary and yeah. you make a career out of that. And you know that little kids are getting these books in their hands and maybe you're part of the artwork or maybe you eventually become your own because you got into the industry. Whatever it is, it's just that's why people have a crisis because they they finally, for the first time, realized that everything they thought was important was not, and yeah. that they should probably do something that they're good at and bring in bring it to the world. And they feel maybe for the first time that they've discovered what that is. And so now it's it's a it's a uh, it's an assault to the institution of whatever it is you built. 
And so anyway, I know I'm going way off, but George, that's the life. That's what he has is uh, he, ha he has that potential and he does that potential and he has more and everybody has that. Everybody has that. So I was hanging out with um, a military pilot last week yeah. and someone asked her um, like what her biggest takeaway was from that experience. And she said that even on like the darkest and most gloomy rainy days, when she would crest above the clouds, she had realized that the sun is always shining. Yeah. Sometimes we just can't see it. Yeah. You know, that's great. I, I actually, it's funny that you say that. I was at my wife's Christmas party for her business this weekend. And one of the people that she works with, her husband was in, in the Marines for 26 years and he flew for 26 years the largest, well, not the whole 26 years, but the last 15 years of his his time, he flew the largest helicopter that is is the largest helicopter commissioned in the world. Wow. It can pick up tons and tons of weights. Like a houses. transit. Vehicle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and, and then he ended up, he retired, he did some like med flight stuff. And he, he said, he said almost the exact same thing that you just said. That's so interesting. He said that, uh, you know, like some of the runs and obviously some of the combat stuff is awful. And some of the just, you know, just grinding away at the work of it and making sure the helicopter runs and all this stuff. He's a helicopter, helicopter guy. And he said, but man, the pure flying, I miss it. Yeah. I miss the pure flying. And I think that also speaks to just purpose. Like, right. Like you fall in love and you, you want to be a pilot and then, you know, you learn to be a pilot and you're good at it and you enjoy it. And then that thing that you're good at has so much utility that, you know, you have a whole career of literally changing the world because you can move stuff around and and all that, whatever you do in that that world, moving people around, fighting battles, all this stuff, uh, uh, and uh, and that's hard. Yeah. So even when even when you do something that you're great at and that you love, it's still work and it's still oh, hard and sure. it's still stuff that's painful and all that. But you're doing that thing that you just absolutely love. That that's the secret, man. Yeah. That's that's what this thing is all about. Now, all of that in the context of a love for God and a motivation and, an, and a constant recognition of the whole vast reality of what you're experiencing being a gift from God. So there's this like constant reverbing, humming gratitude of God, this is so great that you made all this. God, I'm so thankful I get to do this. Help me do this for you. Help me do this in a way that brings honor to you, you know, and so that every moment of your life you can be working and doing and family and whatever and bringing about, you know, honor to God. And then it's not like it, the thing about doing something with purpose that you're good at and, 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 and bringing life is you can't do it to the measure that you are designed to without the guidance of God. He's going to tell you like, here's, here's wisdom. Here's the way to do this. Here's how you talk to these people here. You know, he's going to like constantly guide you to do it well and, uh, and, and, and to lead you down the pathway. And so 
that's part of what it means to be Christian, you know? Um, anyway. Yeah, that's great. This coming Sunday is the date that we ask everyone to either start or adjust their giving to reflect their commitment. If you need help figuring out how to start or change your reoccurring gift, you can email us at info at 514church.com and uh, we can help walk you through it. Christmas services are right around the corner. Uh, These services are the easiest entry to bring a friend to. So I want to challenge everyone with um, inviting and bringing at least one new person to church with you this Christmas. We'll see you next week to discuss part three of Happy Holy Days on the Rest. Peace.